It was to be a real-life fairy tale in which people's wishes came true, not just to change their looks, but their lives and destinies. The show definitely hit a nerve as more than 20,000 people applied to have an extreme makeover. As fascinating as it may be to watch transformations on TV, I can't help thinking about the implications of a show like Extreme Makeover. People are right to acknowledge that something's missing from their lives, that something needs to change. But is the answer found in simply changing our outward appearance? According to public opinion, apparently so. However, according to the Apostle Paul, definitely not. Yet, if we're honest, there are probably times when most all of us have something we would like to change about ourselves. But the transformation that we really need isn't external, it's internal. And this is what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand in the opening section of Romans 12. In verse 1, Paul acknowledges all that God has done for us, his goodness and mercy, which lead us to surrender our lives fully to him. Then, in verse 2, Paul tells us how to fully surrender our lives to Christ. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing, and good will. If we feel any need for transformation, if we feel that something's missing from our lives, that something's not quite right, then this verse has a powerful message for us. For while our world offers extreme makeovers, the Apostle Paul tells us that God offers extreme transformation. Paul tells us in the first half of this verse that extreme transformation requires a radical new direction for us. There are two elements to this radical new direction. First, in order for extreme transformation to take place, we must turn from the pattern of this world. When I think of a pattern, I think of a flight pattern where the course is set for the pilot and she or he must follow that exact course in order to fly the plane to the desired destination. I also think of a dress pattern made out of tissue paper that is pinned on to the fabric so that the dressmaker can follow the pattern cutting the fabric so it looks exactly like the tissue paper pattern. The world in which we live has a pattern to it. Paul tells us not to take it, not to follow the course that everyone else takes, not to look act or respond like everyone else because at its heart the pattern of our world rejects God. When Tony Campolo was a boy, he and his best friend decided to break into their local five and dime store. 
Their plan wasn't to rob the place, but because he said, Sunday school boys would never do that sort of thing. But their plan was to get into the local five and dime store and change all of the price tags. They imagined what it would be like the next morning when people entered the store to discover that radios were selling for a quarter and a pack of gum for $5 each. Compolo goes on to make the point that sometimes the, the price tags are switched in our world. Right is wrong and wrong is right. We all feel it. We all see it. It may be more visible for us in different ways, but we know it's true. So Paul warns the Roman Christians and us because the problem isn't just out there, it's in here. We too are susceptible to conforming to the world's pattern. Dr. Dennis Kinlaw says, if we listen to the world long enough without relating things to Christ, we soon fall into the pattern of this world. It's no wonder that Paul fervently pleads with us to turn from the pattern of this world. J.B. Phillips writes, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. As we take time to examine our hearts, we may discover that we haven't found the transformation we're seeking because our hearts are wrapped around the pattern of this world. But in order for extreme transformation to take place, we must not only turn from the pattern of this world, we, second, we must allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. Many years ago, we knew a man who carried around a pocket-sized notebook with him. In this notebook, he made notes about his family and others. He wrote down if someone did or didn't speak to him, how friendly they were to him, whether they talked with someone else longer than they talked with him, if anyone hurt his feelings, and on and on it went. He routinely read over the notes, keeping everyone's faults right before him. Can you imagine living with someone who keeps a full account of everything you've done wrong or they've thought you've done wrong? Can you imagine being this man? He was a mess, his family was a mess, and obviously he didn't have many friends. I found it hard to believe that someone would actually do something like this. But the more I thought about it, I realized that we may not carry around a notebook to write down of everything that people have done that has hurt us, but we often rec make recordings in our minds and play back over and over how others have treated us or how we've thought they've treated us. Is it any wonder we're commanded to renew our minds? The 16th century saint, 
Teresa of Avila, in her book, Interior Castles, names four rooms of our minds that need transforming. She talks first about the room of intellect, the place where we're tempted to lean on our own knowledge and reasoning rather than on God's. We believe that we know what's best for our lives. As God renews our minds, we let go of this arrogance and give God our intellect to be used by him and for his purposes. Second is the room of memory. Here is stored all that is past. This room is packed with everything that we've ever heard or seen, read or thought or done, the good and the bad. As God's transforming work renews this room, it consumes all those painful memories that haunt us, the wrongs that we've done to others and the wrongs that others have done to us. Then he fills us with his love and mercy. Then there is the room of imagination. It contains all of our thoughts and desires. This room of our mind needs renewing so it can be cleansed of impurity. We ask God to fill our thoughts with ideas and images that are pleasing to him and honorable to others. Finally, she speaks of the room of the will. The room of the will is central to all of the rooms of our minds because here lies our real motives which drive us to do the things that we do. When we make Christ the center of our will, then all that we think, do, remember, imagine, or desire will be renewed and focused on Jesus rather than on ourselves and the pattern of this world. But notice, Paul doesn't say, transform yourselves. He says, be transformed, something that can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit. God's desire for us is to do more than we could ever think or imagine. His desire is to make us new, to set us free from ourselves. But still, the decision is ours. Will we allow his Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Do you ever wonder why so many New Year's resolutions fail? We make all these promises to God and to ourselves about all kinds of things. One of the few promises that I can ever remember making and keeping to God was back in the 1970s when I told him if he got me off the roller coaster alive, I would never get on one again, and I haven't. <laughs> but many of my promises and resolutions don't have that same longevity. My guess is that your track record may not be all that different. Why? Because too often we attempt these changes in our own power rather than in God's. We may want a change in our lives. We may want to go a new direction. We work at it with all of our strength, but it will only happen 
when we allow God's Holy Spirit to tr make the transformation, to actually bring it about within us, that radical new direction. And what is the result of God's Spirit transforming us? Paul tells us in the second half of this verse that once God begins working his transformation in us, our eyes are opened to who he is and his plan for us so that we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. This extreme transformation reveals God's loving character to us. The outcome of extreme transformation is that our hearts and minds are linked with God. And in this close relationship with him, we allow him access to all the rooms of our minds so that his love may shape every part of our lives. We begin to see, to understand that it's being in relationship with God where we find our joy, fulfillment, and delight. All the things that we try to find in the pattern of this world but cannot. Paul knows how important it is that we understand and trust God's character because he knows that life is difficult. None of us will be free from pain and suffering, just as Jesus wasn't free from pain and suffering. It's in these difficult moments that we have to believe that God is good and loving and more than adequate to meet any and all of our needs in this life. Paul also knows the importance of this truth because he knows that we may struggle to know God's will for our lives. We ask questions about important issues, about our current and future plans concerning school, work, relationships, and family. It's so easy to get lost in all of the questioning that we miss the real essence of God's will for our lives, intimacy with him, which is why knowing God's will isn't searching for some buried treasure, but it's making God our primary focus. As God becomes our primary focus, we begin to experience a living and vibrant faith so that all that we say and do flows out of our relationship with him. And so Dr. Kenlaw writes, when we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, it gives us a kind of internal guidance system that enables us to walk as Jesus walks. To have the mind of Christ is to have his perspective, his attitude, his affections, and his priorities. In any makeover show, whether it's a personal, home, or business makeover, the people are both excited and nervous as they prepare to go through the process, and rightfully so. They are entrusting their life, their home, their business to a team of experts. Yet they do it because they're so eager 
for change to take place in their lives. I wonder if we're as eager for God's transformation in us. One day, earlier this spring, I happened to step out our front door just as our five-year-old granddaughter, Emma, was riding her balance bike down their driveway. Because of the incline of their driveway, she was going faster than intended. So as she got to the end of the driveway, she made the sharp left-hand turn onto our quiet street, which also has a slight incline, only causing her to go faster until she lost control of the bike, falling onto the loose gravel. It all happened so fast that neither her mother nor I could get there in time to stop the inevitable fall. As her mother ran to scoop her up into her arms to carry her inside to care for her, we could see that she was bleeding from the numerous scrapes and cuts on her arms and legs, including an open wound on the palm of her hand. The next morning, when Emma woke up, she looked at her hand and ran out to her parents. She thrust out her hand to them, saying, where they could see the scab was beginning to form, saying, look, see my boo-boo? That's where God filled it in last night. When I think of the pain and wounds that we have, and the work that God desires to do in us to transform us, I can't help but think of her words. Look, that's where God filled it in. Those words of Emma have echoed through my mind as I've been reminded of a situation, a really a difficult situation that happened to us several years prior to moving to Houghton, when someone in the church who was angry with us said some harsh, unkind, and untrue things about us. We all know how deeply words can hurt us, whether spoken or written. Those words left an open and painful wound within me so much so that I struggled with hurt, anger, and bitterness. Over time, I realized that I was allowing those words to change me into someone I didn't want to become. It was then that God led me to Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I memorized this verse, and as I said it, I would relinquish the hurt and pain of that situation to God. Some days, I said it once. On other more difficult days, I repeated it often, sometimes through gritted teeth, 
other times through tears as those words played back in my memory like throwing dirt in an open wound. This verse became a prayer for me because I knew that my heart and mind needed renewing. I can't remember exactly how long it took, but I clearly remember the day when standing at our kitchen sink, washing dishes, praying this verse, releasing all of it to God, when those hurt-filled words once again entered my mind. But this time was different. I suddenly realized that although the memory was there, the pain wasn't. God had filled in my wound with his transforming, healing love. I suddenly experienced such a sense of release and freedom as I was no longer chained to those words or the people who had spoken them. I discovered that the Holy Spirit was transforming my heart and mind in a way that I had never experienced before. I wonder how many of us may be struggling today with hurts and wounds, longing for a change, for a transformation in our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us the only way to extreme transformation is from the inside out as we decide to turn from the pattern of this world, allowing God's Holy Spirit to transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we find our joy, delight, and fulfillment in God alone. Father, in the stillness of these moments, may we hear your gentle voice speaking to us, offering us your transforming, healing grace. Renew our minds as we allow your love to shape every part of our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.